welcome to this episode of The Making of an Exception. If this is your first time tuning in, this podcast is for anyone who's looking to be inspired, to gain new perspective on life, or is aspiring to live out their faith in whatever field you find yourself in. Each week, we'll be interviewing influencers and creatives who are exceptions to the rule. The fact that they've gone through what they've gone through, walked through the challenges and pain that they have, and have been gifted the way they've been gifted is what makes them an exception. Our goal is that you'd hear this story today, and you'd be inspired and challenged to be an exception in the making. If this podcast has impacted your life, you can help support by going to our website, exceptionpodcast.co, and clicking the Patreon link or by finding it in the show notes. Thank you so much for your support, and thanks for listening. Hey, welcome to the Making of an Exception podcast. My name is Kirk Graham, and today uh, I'm so excited about this guest because it's been a long time coming, Uh, and I'll tell you why. Because when we started this podcast, he was one of the first people that I thought, man, people need to hear his story of not only what he built, uh, but also his faith journey and where he's at today. Uh, And so our special guest today is Josh Arment, and uh, he is a tattoo artist, uh, owns The Aloha Monkey. Yo, thanks for being here today, man. Thank you, man. Yeah, appreciate uh, you being here. I've known you now the last, uh, man, it's probably been three or four years, um, just being, uh, doing some church stuff together, uh, doing a little bit of life together as well. Um, I haven't been tattooed by you. But it will happen one day, yeah. uh, which is awesome. Uh, but t- yeah, tell me a little bit more about the Aloha Monkey, uh, where it started, where you started tattooing, things like that, and then we'll, sure. we'll then we'll shoot back to the beginning of your life too. Sure, um, the Aloha Monkey. Let's see, uh, it was started by my mentor Mike Malone. Yeah. Um, he went with uh, Nam de Plume, like his pen name was uh, Rollo Banks, and it's off an old Archie comic, but. Um, yeah, so people know the name Mike Malone. Yeah, in the tattoo community. Yeah, yeah. So this dude's a legend. Yeah, for sure. Because I recognize it, but I'm not even in the community. Yeah, he's like an innovator. Got it. And one of the first ones to really take the art form. Him and Ed Hardy were like the ones to take the art from from kind of like the gutters into the art world. How did you meet these dudes? Whoa, that's interesting. <laughs> um, Mike Malone. Being who he was, I learned about him. I was apprenticing in Chicago, outside Chicago, in a town called Libertyville, Illinois. Yeah. And um, I was apprenticing there, and the woman that was instructing me and in how to do this thing was uh, Denise Wolf. She kind of turned me on to Mike Malone and Sailor Jerry. See, I went into the tattoo world thinking that I was just going to be doing my art and this, and I thought it was just an art expression. And it's yep. like, really, it's got formulas, and it's got things that work, just like, you know, what you can do with an oil painting, you can't do with a watercolor painting and vice versa. It's its yeah. own medium. Yeah. And so I went in day one thinking I was going to do this wild stuff. And she's like, you might want to take a look at this. So she hands me a book. The book was called The Sailor Jerry American Tattoo Master. And I started reading it and I was like, wow, this is like rich history to this thing. Yeah. And through that book, I found out about Mike Malone because he was the keeper of the flame, basically. Like uh, when Sailor Jerry passed away in 73, Mike Malone took the business over because Jerry's instructions to his wife were, um, when I pass, you either sell this bu- this building and all my stuff to Mike Malone or Ed Hardy, Zeke Owens, or Mike Malone, or you yep. burn it. Yep. Because he didn't want somebody Anybody else to, get to just yeah. get it. 
and he trusted these dudes. Yep. So he trusted Ed Hardy. Um, Ed Hardy was kind of the one that was like, had an art school background and was basically like, Jerry was inspired by what this dude knew about art. And he was a printmaker, so he already knew how to engrave things. So engraving skin was really, he was made for that. That's what he was doing, yeah, yeah. And so he and Mike Malone, so I found out about Mike Malone through that. That book, The American Tattoo Master. People know Ed Hardy, too. Like, that name's got oh, big because yeah. of the clothes that he started doing. Oh, yeah. But, it, but his clothing of his designs, all that. Yeah. So you know this guy. I do know this guy. Those designs were, like, designs he had from the 70s and 80s yeah. that they just popularized. Um, but, yeah, I know him through Mike Malone. So how I met Mike Malone was uh, there was um, a tattoo machine that I wanted, and he was the maker of this tattoo machine. Well, yeah. the guy that was selling it in the United States on the mainland, because Rollo or Mike Malone was in Hawaii, was just hard to get a hold of and was kind of blowing me off. And so I, uh, me and my friend Keith, um, who I was working with, just got a hold of Mike. And so we got machines through a friend of ours. But we started a connection with Mike Malone. And yeah. so we just started basically pen palling and Keith got in real good with him on building machines. And then when Rollo moved to the mainland in 99 or 98, uh, we started connecting with him and making trips from the Chicagoland area up to Minnesota. Yeah. Cause I, I didn't know there was anything North of Milwaukee. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? Being down an Illinois boy. And so, yeah, we started coming up here to see him, but him and Ed Hardy were basically the precursors of this tattoo movement that's out now. Yeah, yeah. Are those guys from Minnesota? Is that no, there's so, no connection. So, so what were you coming to Minnesota for? Mike Malone moved here. He oh, fell so, in love. Okay, so he did. He ended up moving here. Yep. He fell in love when he was in Hawaii. He fell in love with a, a Nordic woman. Got it. And uh, she happened to be from this area, and so he didn't have they really family, out. and so he was stuck on that rock of Hawaii for 26 years. He was like, I'm out. Yeah, yeah. And so he came here. Brought Aloha Monkey. And he opened Aloha Monkey right at the convergent points of both 35s. Yeah. Because 35 comes up yeah. from Texas. E and W. Yeah. Yep. And does the split. And at that time, it was important to be in the phone books. And so you could kind of advertise in two phone books at the same time. Yeah. No way. So draw from the twin cities is what his idea was. Genius. And so at what point did you take it over? I took it over in the fall of 2001. Got it. And it opened in 99. Got it. So now it's 20 years. 20 years. Of the Aloha Monkey. You just transitioned uh, building. Did you move buildings or renovated buildings? No. You uh, bought we, a gas station? Yep, and renovated the gas station. That's yeah. awesome. It's in Burnsville, Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the how, same parking lot as the original one. Really? Yeah, so I was in a strip mall. Oh, I didn't know that. And then this is like one of those gas stations that's in front of a strip mall, kind of like, you know, a Chick-fil-A is in front of the strip mall or something. Yeah. This is like the old gas stations that are in front of the strip mall. And um, <clears throat> I'd been looking at it for like 18 years. I mean, I wanted this thing. Yeah. And I already had dreams of what I was going to do with it 18 years ago. And I did everything I could do. I mean, I urinated on it. I wrote my name on it. I walked around it like it was the walls of Jericho. I did yeah, yeah. everything I could to try to possess it. And it just wasn't time. And uh, 19 and three quarter years later, God was like, I think it's time. It's yours. And truthfully, I probably couldn't have handled it at that time in my life, you know. Why is that? Well, I mean, it was a big construction process, um, required a lot of teamwork that I don't think I had the skill set at the time to really put together, you know. Um, uh, An overall maturity to be able to do something like that with integrity, you know. Um, 
Yeah. His timing is always better than mine. Yeah. And now you now you did it, man. <laughs> you did it. It's going well. I had a lot of help. And the, I did the grand it. opening was a few months back? or No, we haven't had the full grand opening okay. yet. That's going to be on um, April 27th. Okay. We're having but like a big production. Now. Yeah. But there'll be a big deal. Yep. We're having like opening. taco trucks and Sailor Jerry Rum's going to sponsor it and yeah. Surly Beer. and Crazy. It's going to be fun. So who were you, uh, who, what type of person were you when you started tattooing? Oh, man, I was a kid. I was like eight, 19 years old. Um, so I was just a kid that wanted to do tattoos. I had done two years of college, knew that wasn't the ticket for my art. They were pushing computers and graphics, and I wanted like the old Renaissance-style apprenticeship in art, you know? Yeah. Like, you know, you follow your master, you duplicate what your master does, and through that repetition yeah. and duplication and emulation you acquire a skill set like apprenticeship yeah like a true apprenticeship that's what i wanted out of art that's what i read about in art history yeah yeah and that's not what they were selling at art school and so i was like i'm out yeah yeah it, but you found that somewhere yeah i got an associate's degree and then i found a woman that was willing to i got a tattoo from her um because in illinois at the time you had to be 21 to get tattooed in the city of chicago or no really yeah, it was Illinois. You had to be 21, the whole state. And so I got tattooed in Florida when I was younger than that, 18. Yep. And um, then I had this woman with parental consent. She would rework, like, what I had gotten. And your parents were cool with it? My mom actually found the lady. My mom's always been, like, my best friend, supporter. She's D been rad. Didn't you tell me she, like, helped, she helped, like, change over your whole POS system? And, oh, like, yeah. All, it's just, she's in it. Yeah, she's a backbone. She's, like, you know. 73 years old and still just my best friend and strong, positive influence in my life. That's crazy. I, since, since I've known you, you've, you've gone, uh, you've gone, where'd you go? Ireland or you went to, you've gone around the world. Yeah. Tattooing has taken you around the world. For sure. Which is crazy. Um, and, and people that may not know your name or Aloha Monkey, they might know some of the people that have mentored you, um, that have poured into you, like in the tattooing community, like Josh Arment, from what I can tell, even following online and, and your journey, like over the last uh, few years, like you're doing it. And, uh, and it's awesome also that you have the Aloha monkey. I didn't know all the rich history of the shop mm. really. Yeah. Um, and so it's just cool. Like tattooing community knows it like, yeah. and follows it. And it's just crazy. And, um, but so that, that's all tattooing. Talk yeah. about now your faith journey. Um, and even how the, uh, the way you were raised. So like before you gave your life to the Lord, before you like, he, yeah, you said his timing is always better before you started thinking that stuff. Um, like what, what type of family life did you have? Um, and then when was your first encounter with, with Jesus? Um, <clears throat> my family life's cool, man. My parents are awesome. Uh, they were, you know, that revival in the seventies that happened. Yeah. Um, they were part of that movement. They had some friends that started to invite them to a church that they met through Amway Yeah. network marketing. Yep. Um, and so they yeah, was it like, started going was it to like Jesus people movement. I forget. It was a big Something like that. Great yeah, Glory yeah. talks about it all the time. Yeah, okay. About just that 70s revival yeah, yeah. that happened. Um, yeah, I wasn't around, so I don't know. I just know that that's how they connected with these people. Yep. And so they started going to this church. And my mom's just kind of like, I always call her like my backwoods Buddha because she's <laughs> like, she was raised, um, you know, kind of in central Illinois. Yeah, I mean, my mom had an outhouse when she was a little girl. It was like a poorer area. Yeah. Um, rural. Yeah. And um, 
she's just always got this like bizarre connection to deity and this wisdom. It's yeah. like it's innate in her. Like I, don't, I was like, where did you learn this? I mean, she didn't have like a huge college education, study theology. She just knows things. Yeah, yeah. And so she raised me on the golden rule, and then I was going to a Baptist school because it was a better schooling system in my small community. Yep. But, uh, yeah, so they became believers in their late 30s and um, or early 30s and then had me. And then, yeah, I just grew up in a church school, like from preschool to like fifth grade. And so growing up in that, like, was it something that always resonated with you? And you're like, man, I'm in. Let's do this for life. Like, um, no, not so much. Um uh, in the beginning, it was like there's the Baptist school and the public school and the Catholic school. Yeah. And my mom was like, you know, you're you we're putting you in a nicer school. Yeah. So you get to choose the Catholic school or the Baptist school. Well, all my friends were going to the Catholic school, and my mom was like, mm, let's talk. So then my mom just had a real honest talk with me about it. Yeah, She's yeah. like, you know, if you just look, you can choose and choose freely. Yeah. But you know, choose what is right for you as far as what you resonate with the people. And so yeah. I just resonated with the people at the other school, at the other school. Yep. It's funny. Cause I could see my friends at the Catholic school is like across the highway no. or across the street. So you could see them in their like, playground and I'm in my no. playground and I'm meeting new friends and don't know anybody. And they got each other. They got everybody. It's crazy. But we played sports together and stuff, so we got to connect that way. But, Did, yeah, basically I gave my life to the Lord when I was like five or six in Awanas program. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, doing like midweek, like Wednesday night. Wednesday stuff. nights, my mom worked. She always worked. Uh, she was entrepreneurial, you know. She yep. developed her schedule so she could pick me up and drop me off at school and all that. So she reupholstered couches and did interior decorating and painted and wallpapered. And so art is like she, she's an artist. She is creative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's awesome. Uh, do you have brothers and sisters? I've never asked you uh -uh. that before. Step. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. My parents got divorced eventually, and um, both remarried. Funny thing about that is they're like best friends still to this day, though. It's Your like mom they, and dad? Oh, they talk to each other more than I talk to both of them combined. Crazy. Yeah, they live like six blocks away from each other in uh, a retirement community down in Florida. How does that work? Because they're just adults and they... Yeah, they're adults, yeah. They did it with freedom and ease. Yeah. While having love and affinity present for each other and the whole time. Interesting. That whole story's interesting because... It takes both of them to get that result of yeah, that yeah. friendship and that depth. Yep. And both their new partners totally accept that they're that close. Yeah, yeah. And it's really just like love. So you asked me about my family life. I was always brought up around extreme love and extreme support. Yeah. And when I was in the church school, as I was getting older, um, there was just a bunch of things that were contrary to that. What yeah. I experienced at home with... Um, love and freedom and um, like freedom of mind, not yeah. like freedom, like go out and be crazy. Like, yeah. Don't. Yeah. No, there was always structure, but it was like, but not open mindedness. Yeah. yeah. My mom and dad were both like that or are both like that still. Um, what I was running up to against in the school system is just like, Weird indoctrinations. I mean, it was a Baptist school, so your hair couldn't touch your collar. Um, I mean, I remember one day I went in there with an Adidas pullover, almost nylon like what you're wearing. Yeah. And uh, 
they're like, you can't wear that. And I'm like, my mom said I'm cold. Like, if I'm cold, I can wear it. Did they it. have, like, uniforms? Or they no, it was like, just, like, you had to wear, like, nice stuff. Got like it. slacks or a button-up yeah, yeah. or something. But no uniforms. Yeah, yeah. And uh, they were like, you can't wear that. It says a word on it. And I was like, yeah, but my mom, I, I'm, like, cold. And my mom said, if you're cold, wear your sweatshirt. And So I was like, I'm not taking it off. And they duct taped it. And I'm like, oh, no. they duct taped it. Interesting, but they didn't just duct tape it, like put a duct tape piece over the Adidas. Oh, they threw a cross they put, on you. No, they put it around <laughs> me, so I couldn't even take my sweatshirt off. No so way. at recess, I'm like hot now, can't take my sweatshirt off because I got duct tape around my torso. Well, when my mom picked me up from school, she was like, uh-uh. We're not and doing she this. just like puts out a Virginia Slim cigarette, stomps in there in her mini skirt. And We're not she doing just this. is like, no. And uh, so I was like, wow, that's so contrary, like... Yeah, my yeah. mom is love, and then there's this. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, I just started to question things, and I still, like, was getting fed at school, still getting – I really liked Awanas better, but I was getting fed at Awanas, and then I was getting fed at home, and I just had these different meals being served to me, and I could see what I liked and what I wanted to spit up. Yeah, yeah. Yo, that's crazy. What what uh, What's the journey been like uh, – I know your baptism story, which is crazy. Like, yeah. it's amazing. Uh, between being five years old and kind of growing up and getting those different meals, figuring out who you want to be uh, and in following the Lord, between that and then your baptism, what, what was that journey like? Because you obviously got to a point where you're like, I don't, if I remember right, you were like, I don't want anything to do with this. But oh, then yeah. you're like. Yeah, so fifth grade, I wanted a spiked haircut. Yeah, yeah. I knew you couldn't have one at the school I was at. So my mom was like, all right, this is a transition time between middle school. You can do whatever you want, you know? I was like, I want that spiked haircut. So it's funny, like, my sixth grade picture is like, or no, my fifth grade picture is like, I got a spiked haircut and I'm stoked, right? Because <laughs> I had this, like, butt oh, yeah. cut thing yeah. happening, you know, for the school. So I'm at a public school and I get a spiked haircut. Well, at a public school, I remember specifically in fifth grade that I was like, um, Mr. Holy Cross. This is so weird, just my... No, it's Pat, all good. Like, this it's guy's name's Mr. Holy Cross. <laughs> right? Like his legit name? Legit name. No. Fifth grade, he's like, <laughs> he goes, uh, so, like, this dude, my homie Ryan was, like, um, kind of a bad kid. I think it took him a couple passes to get yeah. out of fifth grade. Like, yeah. Because he was, like, older and stuff. Yeah. I mean, he had, like, armpit hair, and he was, like, older. <laughs> uh, and this dude was, like, um Mr. Holy Cross was like, listen, Josh, you're, like, really good at this. Yeah. School was just easy for me. I don't know. Something was just easy about it. Yeah. Um, and so, and I had good support at home. Like, my mother was very good about, like, helping me filter learning so it's, like, easy to grasp. Yeah. Um, so he's like, this guy struggles. Yep. You know, I'm going to set you next to him, and I just ask you to help him get through fifth grade, yeah. basically. And so I was like, all right. And I remember specifically, I mean, this kid was a nutcase. He would just ride his, like, he would skip school and then ride his mini bike through the pickleball courts. We're in school. Like, you're supposed to be here. Yeah. And he's just like, ah. Skipping school, yeah. And skipping school. Yeah. And showing you that he's skipping school. I mean, he was oh, a total yeah. hood. It was hilarious. But I remember specifically, like, helping him get through school and we... Had a little pact, and, you know, I wouldn't, like, let him cheat on the answers, but I would help him yeah, yeah. get stuff. But with all this hanging out, I remember specifically the day that I chose, like, oh, I'm going to choose being cool over being good or being good, like, 
I don't know what the world would say would be good. I was just me, but I remember yeah. choosing cool. Yeah, yeah. Rather than authentic, right? Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, I was always smaller in stature. I, you know, developed late and all that. So, and this dude was like, what I thought was a man. So I was like, oh, I'm gonna hang out with cool. Yeah. Rather than be like true to self. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, I remember that. And then skateboarding came into it. And, um, I wasn't ever really into sports. I didn't connect there, you know? Yep. Um, I mean, I played sports, but I wasn't like stoked about them. Yeah. Um, how'd you I get to the point? How'd you get the point of like, so yeah, you remember that first fork in the road of like, now I'm choosing cool. Yeah. So then uh, I chose cool. Yeah. For a long time. Yeah. yeah. How I mean, long? Like until 2010. Yeah. So from fifth grade. Till 2010, I chose cool. And basically, it was like skateboarding, punk rock, hip hop. Yeah. Rebellion, drugs. Yeah. yeah. You're not saying skateboarding or hip hop is evil. You're no, just saying they're great. Like cultural stuff. Like you just no, kept I was going choosing into things it. that were cool over things that were true to self. Yeah. So, you know, um, I'm not good at sports. So, you know, Skipping school and hanging out, smoking cigarettes is cool, so I'll do that. Yeah. Or, you know, um, you know the sports thing, like, I didn't like the – I liked competition, but I didn't like, like, how serious people got about it. It's, like, yeah. called a game, right? Yeah. Like, We're just having fun. Did anybody realize it's still called a game? Yeah. And so I was, like, the game guy, and they're all, like, the serious, like, this is the Super Bowl stuff. And I'm <laughs> not into it. <laughs> Yes. So I chose like, uh, you know, smoking cigarettes or, you know, um, hanging out with girls or, yeah, yeah. you know, doing mild drugs or whatever. Drinking yeah. early, you know, stealing garage can beers and like going behind the dumpsters. That was yeah. like what I was into. So those, those years, obviously, doing I my my journey, like through high school, I, raised in a Christian home and uh, but but through high school, basically the same thing of yeah. I'm going to I. It's not that I didn't believe no. what I was raised in or um, didn't believe God, like God was real, like, but I definitely chose time and time and time and time and time and time again, especially those four years of high school, I'm going to do my own thing. Like, yeah. I'm a, like, I'm, I'm cool. I'm just going to do my own thing. Uh, for me, that, that brought like, there, there's a level of adrenaline and fun and excitement, you know, but also a whole bunch of like pain <sighs> and emptiness and shame, you know, mm -hmm. like, <clears throat> you know, cause, cause I loved my parents, but I hated lying to like things like that. Yeah. I'm not saying we have the same story. Very similar. But for you from fifth grade to, uh, 2010, uh, you know, w like what was the downside to choosing cool? Oh man, there's a lot. Um, let me back up a little bit. So like the rebellious adrenaline and all that, like I told him right there with you. Yeah. And I never lost, like I knew there was a God and I believed in Jesus, but was I going to talk about it? No, yeah, yeah. that's yeah, yeah. ostracism. Yeah. You're not in the cool club now. Yeah, yeah. Um, so my faith never changed, but I started to question heavily like the people that were like selling that. Yeah, yeah. You know, I was like, the dichotomy is so bizarre. I mean, like I told you about the guy that told me there was no animals in heaven. Yeah, yeah. You know, so now I'm in like middle school. This dude's telling me that there's no animals in heaven. 
And I'm like, what are you talking about? And it wasn't until I was like 38 years old reading Revelation where I see Jesus coming in on a white horse. And I wanted to contact this dude and be like, <laughs> Bro, there gotta, is one. You got to let it go, man. I know. But that's what I'm saying. <laughs> is like, I was like, whoa. No, he comes in on a white horse. You're yeah. right, man. So anyway, um, there that's where my separation was happening. Like yeah, my yeah. faith wasn't in question. It was like, who's telling this? Yeah. yeah. And so I ran on that end and the 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 pain of like choosing cool was, um, you know, shame. Cause you know, you're doing stuff, you know, against your family or against yourself mostly, yeah. Yeah. um, you know, sleeping around. That was a big one for me. Yeah. Um, and you know, I mean, I remember specifically my mother telling me when this does this, there's a spiritual connection yeah, and yeah. it's chemical and yeah, I can't yeah. describe it. Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't until my 30s that I figured that out either. Yeah, yeah. I should have just listened to her. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's pain. There was, you know, depression. There was um, separation, man, from even family, you know. Yeah. You, I, like, went real inward. Yep. And that's dark in there. A lot of what you're describing is, is what, uh, like, as I've grown up, like, the difference between like a true relationship with Jesus and and like religion. So, and that's oh, kind yeah. of a classic. It's it's almost a cliche now. So like people listening like if, if they heard that before it's like, "Oh yeah, it's classic." But but it it really is that. It's like when Jesus came, all these dudes that were they were serving God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and they're trying to follow all the rules. They had like they had like added all their own rules yeah. to it, but also kind of broke the rules when they like and it's kind of like how you have grace for like people that have your same issue but a different issue if they have a different issue it's like you don't have grace for them right, you know yeah, what i'm I saying like yeah like almost like to that person who's dealing with something different than you deal with you almost present yourself as perfect and that's religion that's yeah. like but but if they're dealing with the same thing like you just you're like hey man i get it i'm with you man like i do like so it's just crazy like we're all broken uh-huh nobody's perfect. Uh, we won't make it there till we get to heaven, you know, mm-hmm. like, so it's the anticipation of that. But everything that you're describing is the way that you're raised and then what you're experienced with the people selling it. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> and not selling it, but just, you know, kind of teaching it to the next generation. It, it was some religion stuff, yeah. like the hair to the shoulders sure. and the no, you know, the no graphics, all yeah. that. I mean, I never read the that. church. No, like, <laughs> yeah, the, the totally. Yeah. Where is it in the Bible? Right. All that. Um, and not to dishonor, uh, like even, even in my world, not, not to dishonor people that went before me, you know, people doing the best they can. Maybe some of it was bad intentions or, or not, not, the, you I know, some know of it's messed bad. up. Yeah. yeah. Some of it's messed up. We're all trying to make it, but like, like it used to be back in the day, like you couldn't dance, you couldn't go to movies, mm-hmm. you couldn't like, I mean, tattoos, oh, like yeah. we don't even get, we can't even get, your whole body's tatted, yeah. you know? There's no way you're a Christian, you know, like, and, and your story, your story makes even today, a lot of Christians uncomfortable, you know, the way you talk, um, and some of the story, you know, even when you throw in like her Virginia Slims and minis, like there's a, there's a, you're passionate about the things of the Lord, but also there's a roughness to you and your language that makes people that professional Christians that have been Christians decades and decades and decades, uh, who haven't talked to a lost person for a long time that haven't, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like you can make people uncomfortable. You know that about yourself. Sure. 
but you're so secure in who you are. I'm kind of ranting now, but um, I that's that that was the biggest thing. Like when I met you, that I appreciated about you so much because you're the first person to say, like, listen, I don't have it all figured out. I'm not perfect, um, but I love the Lord, and it's like, and I remember we were in, like a, we were in a life group together, like Thursday morning deal, and you're like you're like telling stories, and you you probably know more Bible than you have to do around the circle, but then you also like cussed. And I was like, I was like, geez, this guy, like, you know, and so, but again, I'm, you, I don't, I don't think you're saying like, yeah, I'm super proud of everything. Like, but, oh. but there's like a freedom to you. That's like, that makes professional Christians un, uncomfortable. And yeah. I say professional, like, I get it. and, and so I appreciate that freedom in you. I appreciate your drive to be better, to know, you know, to make a bigger difference. And I've got more stories coming down the line, but before I, yeah, before we go there, tell us about the, the moment you like the baptism story, um, mm. uh, because it, you, you went on a trip with your mom, you went on a trip with your dad. Um, but, but how, yeah, how did you make that decision to say, man, I, I, I want nothing to do with this to now I'm, I'm back in. Ah, that's awesome. Thank you for that. Because I just love hearing you talk about some of those stories. Cause we had some good Bible studies. Yeah. That. Um, but, uh, yeah, I've always said if I'm religious, hang me. You know what I mean? I want relationship, not religion. And so that's what I've always pursued. And, you know, that's where I think it is like you're called because I didn't really ask for it. It's just like I was called into this. Yeah. Um, And so stay true to yourself is kind of something that just keeps going on, not to your flesh, like stay true to your flesh. Yeah, yeah. not not your feelings. Yeah, yeah. But who God created you to be. Exactly. And that's what I'm still trying to figure out. Like, um, I ran from who he created me to be, which was whole, perfect, and complete, all of us, just the way that we are. Yeah. And I tried to create myself. Yep. And I was missing the creation part. Yes, we are made in the image of our creator, and his intention is for us to create ourselves newly daily. Yep. Fall asleep to death, wake up to the sun rising. Die to yourself every day. Yeah. Yeah. And that I just missed that piece for like 25 years. Yeah. Um, so the baptism story is interesting. It was 2009 Christmas, and I, my parents are divorced. We always spend Christmas together as a family, though. So like yeah. the steps are there, and the yeah. parents, your parents are divorced with their best friends. It's the we- weirdest story I've ever. It heard. is so cool, <laughs> and uh, and not weird like swingers. Yeah. Like yeah. No, just no, 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 yeah. no. So um, they. <laughs> Yeah, so they, uh, they're at Christmas, and I was just thinking, man, I was like, I wasn't in a, like, I'm not married, I don't have kids, and I was like, you know, where is a place that they would want to go? Like a trip, because I'm like traveling the world, and I always come back, and I bring them something, I tell them about it, but like, I've never asked, where do they want to go? Where's a place that they've never been that they were like, I'll never make it there? Yeah. So that Christmas, I gave them each a gift certificate separately for one two-week trip, any time in the year 2010, where they pick four places, I pick four places, and we agree upon one, like a bucket list trip. Yep. And so they were like flattered. It was awesome. We all cried. It was cool. And then they, thinking, they, you had to do both these trips in 2010. You had to. So yeah. I knew I was going on two killer trips yeah, in yeah. 2010. Yeah, nice. And so I, uh, 
I'm thinking, you know, they're going to pick four places and we're going to have like a discussion on this. So my mom calls me like January 6th. Yeah. I mean, like right away. Yeah, like a and week after like, Christmas. She's like, we're going to Rio. And I'm yep. like, Rio de Janeiro. And she's like, yeah. I'm like, mom, wh- do you have any other options? Like, what else are we thinking here? And she's like, no, I'm going to go to Rio. I was like, mom, it was like, you pick four, I pick four, we meet in the middle. And she's like, nope, that's just where I want to go. And I'm like, why there? And she's like, I just want to do some work in the favelas. <laughs> I, <laughs> My mom's got like early onset COPD. Yeah, yeah. At 65, she wants to go into the favelas, like the slums. And I was like, Mom, you got to watch this movie. It's called City of God. If you watch that movie and you still want to go, then we'll I'll take it. you. And so she calls me like a night later, and she's like, yep, I watched it. Larry couldn't watch it, my stepdad. Yeah. Uh, and he thought I was crazy because I want to go. I was like, all right, Mom, we'll go. So we booked this trip. It's February that we're going. And um, 2010, February, on Valentine's Day, I got left by a bunch of guys that were working for me. Yep. And so like four of my five guy crew split and it was kind of, I mean, it was the best thing that ever happened, but it was also kind of mutiny. It was like on Valentine's day, the Valentine's day massacre guys really, they had like planned it for a year and they were letting me know on Valentine's day. And so I remember in that moment, like I'm in my tattoo chair and I'm working on a customer and they tell me what they tell me. And then I'm like, is that it? And they're like, yep. I'm like, all right, cool. You have till Friday and then we'll clean it out. Um, And I remember just kind of like having nothing, nothing of mine like that I created. Yeah, yeah. Like I was no longer in control. And I just remember looking up and I like had a Jesus picture up. And I just, I remember the view. I don't remember everything that was said, but I remember the view and I was like, what else? Like, I got nothing. What do you got, God? Yeah. Because the whole time that I was rebelling, I was still praying, mm-hmm. you know, not consistently, not reading scripture, but I was still in relationship. I was just in a different town. Yeah, yeah, um, Long like distance. Like 10 pals, yeah. right, long distance yeah. relationship. And so I just remember, like, what do you got? Like, I don't have anything. Hopefully you got something. And so I called a friend of mine, a great friend named Nick Colella, and he helped me basically keep the shop running while I was on this trip. Cause the very next week I was yeah. going to Rio. Yeah. And so he came up, left his shop and ran my shop for two weeks while I was on vacation with my mom. Mm. And I remember telling my mom, I don't want this to be a churchy trip. And my mom wasn't like a missionary or anything, but I was no, like, no. this can't be a churchy trip. And she's like, no, it's not. Um, we're just going, it's part of this group. It better not be a missions deal. Right. She was in network marketing. And one of the things is it was on this, uh, it was called Mona V. It was this acai berry and the acai berry comes from Brazil. Yeah. yeah. And so they give back to the, the, one of the guys that's like the you of that program gives back to the community. And he used to be in the favelas. Yep. And so I'm like, don't make it a churchy trip. She's like, it's not. I go, all right. So we go and we meet in this airport in like Miami or Atlanta or something to then yeah. fly to Brazil. And the first guy that I meet that she's been pen paling with these people oh, yeah. on this like networking. And he comes up to me and this dude has a Mona V shirt on and like a Bible in his hand. And oh, I was yeah. like, no, <laughs> no, <laughs> it is. She totally tricked me. Oh, yeah. So I was like, defense is up, right? 
kind of being a sourpuss about the whole thing. And yeah, yeah. I get down to Brazil and the person that's hosting us, his name is Sergio. Mm-hmm. And Sergio was like um, a Federale's son. Yep. And he had access to the favelas because he would take the cocaine from the Federale police station and redistribute it because his dad was the no. cop. And he would redistribute it to the no. favelas. Well, change that around by 30 years. And now he has access to the same people in the same favelas of Niteroi, yeah. um, Brazil. But he's going in and he's sharing Jesus. No way. And it's insane. Yeah. So I meet this guy, Sergio, and yep. instantly I connect with this guy. This guy's <laughs> Brazilian. He's love. But you don't he's, know he's about Jesus yet. No. Yeah. So you like love this dude. I love him right away. And his family, he's got a tight family. He's very expressed. He like hugs and he's not, yeah. he's not restricted in any way. Yeah. And then I find out that he's like totally passionate about the Lord. And during that trip, um, there's a ton of crazy experiences. I mean, one night my mom's like, listen to the fireworks. I'm like, mom, that is not, that is heavy gunfire. That is totally not fireworks. <laughs> <laughs> you know, your mom's like pumped. She loves like, this pumped thing. There. Yeah, yeah. And we're like walking in the favelas and just seeing that, man. It's like, <laughs> listen to the fireworks. It's crazy. That's the funniest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> it's crazy. So yeah, I get to meet Sergio and Sergio yeah, yeah. and his son um, gave me a little pocket New Testament in English. Yep. And I had nothing to do. I mean, you have, you're in, you're not in America anymore. So yeah. I don't have like cell phone Wi-Fi, access. Yeah. And, yeah. So I just started reading Acts. And that's where I started. Yo, it's crazy. You picked Acts, man. He recommended I check something of Acts or Romans out. Yeah. He's like, there's this thing called the Roman walk. You could check that out. And I was like, I don't know. I just, I chose Acts. And yep. so Acts, and then I went into Romans and that was my, Two weeks in um, in Brazil. Now, one of the interesting parts about that is he and his mother. So his mother, Cecilia, um, created a house for women. Now, the Federale cop dad, yeah, like had a retirement and a pension, right? And he yep. thought he was going to retire out, you know, a little more rural. And so they did. And they were going to build a place, and they yeah. did. But they happened to build it for like a bunch of homeless women that were raising children. And so his entire pension and the thing that she started is like now they've he got hundreds of away. women. He gave it all away. And they have hundreds of women that have gone through this program where she basically helps them not just get back on their feet, like learn to live yeah, and raise a kid. Yep. And she has all these women around. Well, Sergio and his dad built a church there. And this church is made of timber and has like palm leaves on the thatch roof. And... I'm telling you, I've been to Notre Dame Cathedral, but there was more spirit in that church than in any cathedral I've ever stepped in. Yeah. And everybody's speaking in Brazilian, and uh, she's leading the sermon. And during the sermon, and I'm like hesitant on all this. Yeah, yeah. And she's leading the you sermon. You were cool with Sergio, and but all of a sudden— not cool with the rest. Yeah, yeah. And so— Okay, so, okay, so you were not cool with the rest, but you sensed— spirit in that church i sensed it immediately just like confronting you like like in a good way (laughs) or in mm, a bad way (laughs) no it was like i'll show i'll explain when it got good but at first it was super resistant yeah yeah now in hindsight i know that most things that are resistant are like that's good you should go that way Yeah, yeah like uh the obstacle is the way yeah yeah um well, she starts speaking, and I go through the service, and it's in Portuguese. Yeah, Portuguese. I can't, yeah, yeah. yeah, I can't 
figure out what she's saying, but I'm sitting next to her grandson, Sergio's son, and she's looking straight at me and she starts saying something and I start sobbing, like pouring. She's speaking in Portuguese. Yeah. And I'm sobbing like a child. Um, and I can't even like breathe. And so as soon as I get it together and she's like finishing the sermon over there, I ask him, I'm like, yo, what did she just say? He's like, ah, I couldn't get it all, but we'll ask her afterwards. And I was like, I need to know now. Like, I need to know now. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. have to tell me what just happened. And yeah. he's like, we'll talk to her later. And so after the sermon, we went straight up to her and she basically, tra he translated what she was saying. And she said, there's power in you and there's something special that's going to happen in your life. There is. <clears throat> so at that moment, things shifted a little bit. Yeah. Um, for the better. Yeah. And right then it was like the spirit that was so resistant was like so flat. Mm. Now you wanted it. Yeah. So I started feeding yeah. And uh, there wasn't like a big like prayer moment or like repentance thing. It was like a real surrender. Yeah. Yeah. Like it was it was like a wave. It was hitting you. you yeah. I mean, I like, just got left, left by everybody. That's a surrender. Yep. Didn't get my way in is this going to be a churchy thing? And it wasn't. Yeah, yeah. It was a God thing. It wasn't a churchy thing. Yeah. Um, that was surrender. And then yeah. being here, I mean, there was so much surrender that was happening. So then every night I'm like reading Acts and I'm reading Romans and I'm talking to Sergio and I'm watching how he lives his life. And he doesn't live it squeaky clean. I mean, like, yeah, yeah. I'm a Puritan. Look at me. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't care if it looks There's good or doesn't look bad. Yeah. He is going into favelas yeah. bringing God. Yeah. That is crazy. Yeah. Yes. And so we went in with him. This was like we started going into these favelas and bringing the word in there. And these people are so loving and they have nothing. Mm. And I'm coming from a community of people that had everything and they weren't loving. Yeah. Not my yeah. home life, but like society around me. Yes. These people are in love. Yeah. Some of them had never even gotten to the Christ Redeemer. And it's like across a bridge. Yeah. And wow. they've never been there. And they have more faith. And they have nothing. Yeah. And I was they've like, never even seen the statue. No. And we're going there to like tourist it, you know? Yeah, yeah. So then we start bringing these kids with us and the kids melted me. I yeah. mean, yeah. playing soccer with them, yeah. kicking it with them and just watching how Sergio acted with these kids. And so, yeah, the experience was uh, intense. I mean, when we would go into the favelas, we had to leave our passports back at the place and we couldn't bring any money or anything. Yeah. And so I smelled this like sweet bread. I was like, and you had to be in line, yep. you know, because he was like somebody at the front, somebody at the back. and Because yeah. it was dangerous. Yeah, yeah. So I smelled this like sweet bread and I like walked off for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> I like just walked out of the yeah. line. Like, just, yeah, yeah. what is that? I got to find smell? that. Yeah, yeah. And this little kid like came up to me with basketball shorts on. And he couldn't have been more than 10 years old. And he's like screaming at me. And I'm like, all right, dude. You know, thinking that it's like he's just playful. 
Then he pulls his shirt up and he's got a full blown automatic weapon on his hip. And I just froze. I didn't know what was going on. And he's just like showing me that he has the weapon and like kind of like giving you attitude lots. And so finally Sergio's other like um, sidekick that like works with the church and everything came over and he was like, yo, yo. And he like downplayed the kid and like cooled the kid down. And I asked him, I was like, what happened to that? And he's like, dude, he was intimidated. And he was telling you that he was more of a man than you were with all those tattoos and stuff. No way. And he was just like punking me. Wow. With a full-blown automatic weapon. Wow. It was nuts. How old do you think he was? Maybe 10. Yeah, that's crazy. That was crazy. So, yeah, then, you know. Uh, so that's the trip your mom wanted to do. Yeah. So we get back from that trip. My dad's like, your mom had such a great time. I'm like, yeah, please pick four places. I'll pick four places and we'll go somewhere. Yeah. Dad says we're going to Rio. Same spot. I'm like, what? <laughs> You're kidding. Dude, this story, the first time I heard you share it, uh, dude, I was laughing so hard. That is the funniest thing. So your dad hears about your mom's trip and they're divorced. Yeah. Your dad hears about your mom's trip. She loved it. And he's like, I don't care. Anywhere in the world, I'm going to the same spot. Yep. So I was how, thinking how, Tibet. I was thinking Bhutan. I thought maybe he wanted to go back to Vietnam. He says Rio. So how many months later? Now it's like September, October. We're back yeah. in Rio. And um, the first trip, Sergio wanted me to tattoo him. And I'm like, so he goes into the favelas and he brings me like tat rigs. And I'm like, Sergio, I can't use this, bro. I mean, we don't even know where this ink's been. This is like, you don't want this. Yeah. I'll bring my own stuff sometime in life. I didn't know I was going to be back there the same year. Yeah. So I get back there and... uh, So you brought your stuff. I brought a couple things. Yeah. And so he wanted a portrait of both of his kids on his inner arm. So now I'm thinking, man, I got to do this portrait, blah, blah, blah. So we got all the reference. I come down with the stencils prepared because that would be too difficult down Mm -hmm. there. And um, so, yeah, we're down there, and one of the days we tattoo a portrait of both his kids on his arms with their names outside the favelas in our little camp where we were staying, but still it wasn't, like, luxurious. I mean, it was, like, tattooing in a hotel room. Yeah, did you say you were, like, hooked up to car batteries or something? Yeah, Yeah. pretty gnarly. (laughs) And the... uh, then there was like other like people that worked there, like younger people that maybe couldn't afford tattoos. So I did like a lot of names, a <laughs> lot of names on just like <laughs> random people, like no carding. I don't know how old you are. Yeah. Name. Just holding out. Yeah. yeah just holding name. your arms out. No yeah. way. And they were so stoked. I mean, this is like yeah, yeah. a huge treat for them. Yeah. So yeah, I'm just tattooing all these kids. And I mean, some of them were definitely not old enough yeah, in yeah. American standards to yeah, get tattooed. Yeah. But, um, yeah, Sergio and I just started bonding and his son and his, you know, his whole family. And then um, I was like, I want to go back to that church. Yep. See your mom speak again. And so we went back and the night before I just had something weighing on me. And uh, so I asked him, I was like, hey, man, tomorrow could I get baptized? And he's like, uh, yeah. So they had a pool there, just like their pool. Yeah. And then this church of palm leaves. Yep. And so he's like, yeah, we'll totally do it. And I was like, what a perfect time. It's like my dad's here so my earthly father yep. can give me to my spiritual father. And I want you to do it. And he's like, I'd be honored. So we do another service. Yep. 
I've had a lot of time in the Word. I started devouring the Bible when I came yeah, back yeah. to America. Yeah, so for the yeah for those months between the trips, you're just reading on my own. Yeah. Uh, any information I could get, I started listening to K Wave Radio in California. One of my California homies turned me onto that. Started yep. getting fed from Greg Laurie, Andy Stanley. Yep. Just yep. hitters that really got the word in a way yep. that I could um, resonate with it. Yeah. And it was like not indoctrinated. It was like the word. Yep. Yep. And um, how it applies <clears throat> to life. So anyway, so I'm devouring all that. I'm eating all different foods with that and uh, get down to Brazil doing this thing with my dad. We planned it a little different. We were going to do the favela thing, and then we were going to kick it over at Iguazu Falls. So I was going to okay. take my dad on like an actual little couple-day vacation where yeah, we yeah. could relax. So yep. we did make it out to Iguazu. That was cool. Um, but during this uh, during this period there with my dad and going to this church again and being with Cecilia and being with Sergio, um, I just knew it was time for me to get baptized. I had never done it when I was a kid. I thought it was yeah. weird. It was a Baptist yeah, yeah. school I went to. And yeah. you know how long Baptist sermons are. <laughs> Dude, a Baptist baptism is like, I thought, literally, I thought they would forget to pull me back up out of the water. I mean, these, these are little kid down. fears. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, you it's just going to take too long. No, you didn't know. Right. And yeah. so I was like, it's kind of weird, and you're in there in your clothes, and you look like a weird angel, and it's... I didn't like all that. So yeah. I never would like say yes when I was a little kid. Yeah, like you, I said yeah, yes to Jesus, but I didn't say yes to baptism. To that. So so you knew you still you still wanted you still like hadn't done it something I think I should do and so this is the moment. Yeah, and it was just instantly I knew that I wanted to do it. And so Sergio baptized me in a pool and um and my dad was in the pool with us and that was amazing. And then all these people around me were speaking Portuguese. And it was so amazing. The emotion that I felt and like, I couldn't, there's no English anywhere, you know, but it was like full blown acceptance and people were moved and crying and yeah, I don't know. They were strangers, you know, yeah. but I mean, there was, it was deep. Yeah. 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 They were so, strangers, but their family. Yeah. Just showed you we're all connected, man. Yep. So came home from that trip, and uh, I have a good mentor, Tom Wahlberg. He's an important man in my life. Yep. Kind of a financial mentor is how it started. But, um, yeah, I started going to Open Door with him. Yeah. And that was my back-in-church moment. Yep. So so after that, which the stories you just shared are just epic. But so after that, coming back 2010 to where we're at now, what have the last few years been like uh, for you? Faith journey, but also a tattoo shop, like just business stuff. Like your life's been blessed. You're living a blessed life. You told me like house is paid off. You bought the gas station. You've been able to, you know, you took your parents on a trip anywhere. Like that stuff's crazy. Like God's been all over uh, blessing your life. But yeah, the last nine years now. So let's talk about that. 2010, the business, um, through 2010 and 2011, you have to understand I had a successful business that needed to operate. And my friend Nick was gracious enough. My friends, Nick and Eric were gracious enough to come and run my shop for two weeks, but they couldn't stay. Yeah. And so I couldn't just, I mean, there's not a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of talent out there, but it's not like, if you owned a Jimmy John's, you can just hire anybody. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you have to find the right people, especially with the standards that I hold around tattooing. Um, so 2010, this is where the Lord was totally blessing me. 
I didn't have a permanent crew except for one guy. Yep. And I operated with a three-man crew plus me every week for 18 months. Yep. And so what that looked like was um, I would pick up a guest artist. So somebody would fly in from different parts of the country and then even from across the sea. And every week I would pick up two guest artists. And so I'd be like dropping off and picking one up and dropping off and picking no one way. up every Tuesday. No and way. so I operated like that and putting them up at my house and then they would work and the next yeah. guy would come in the next week for 18 months. Crazy. Which was awesome. And it was a blessing from God. And it drove me to excess. Like I got into drinking too much yeah, and socializing. Because yeah. you want to show these yeah, people yeah. a good time. They're doing you a huge solid. Yeah, yeah. And so then that just got me into just overconsumption. Yeah. And I was still, you know, on my faith walk, but now I had like this duality. It was like the duality was back and it was more subtle this time. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, 2010, 11 was a rough time for that um, and a blessing from God for the other. And it was just the thorn in my side at that time. Yo, that's crazy because after like a huge spiritual experience, you know, 2010, the, those trips with your parents, it's cr it's crazy that, and it's not really a surprise, uh, like even reading the Bible stories that happen, like after big time victory comes like big time attack, you know? Oh yeah. The war got serious. Yeah. When I got baptized, it got the war got real. Yeah. In my What's life. crazy is is you read the uh, account of Jesus being baptized immediately after that baptism. He's led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness where he, where he didn't eat for forty days and he was tempted by the devil. Yeah. Like so, you just think about like the parallels of Jesus was baptized and then he did forty days of of yeah being tempted by the devil. Of war, yeah, and you, yeah. So your baptism leads into greater spiritual attack, 2010, 2011, big time, and um, yeah. So that was a blessing that the business survived and flourished, and I started to hire people, and it started to grow. Yeah, and um, while I was kind of wasting away, like in myself, um, I still had open door. I still was getting fed. And I was just realizing that there was a gap. And yeah. I didn't see it at the time. It was like a thing I didn't know I didn't even know. Yeah. But the gap was in my authenticity. I wasn't being authentic to myself. I was yep. being something for someone because they were doing me a solid. So I was being the socialite or yep. I was being um, the party goer because yep. I want them to have a good time. I was yep. considering their considerations. I wasn't considering staying true to myself. Yep. And so it took me years to come back to that and go, oh. The gap was your inauthenticity. Yep. Yep. You weren't being the authentic, perfect, whole, complete version that God made you to be. Yep. I was being what was needed at the time. For somebody else. Yeah. Right. yeah. And then that just wasn't me. So it took me a couple of years to find that. And then there's like freedom in that. Yeah. Yeah. So after you find that freedom, uh, even more recent years, um, like I've known you since coming to, coming to River Valley and, and uh, being in different Bible studies, things like that. Um, but yeah, how, like the last couple of years to where you're at right now. Yeah, well, I originally went to River Valley because I found out from my friend um, Eric that 
Shout out to Eric Bell. Yeah, Eric Bell, what's up? Which all the time he'll show me like, yo, check out this tat. And then he lifts up his shorts. Like, all, like, like, yeah. <laughs> like it's like, bro, like, yeah. put it, like, geez, put your pant leg down. He's got awesome tattoos yeah, yeah. of God. And yeah. like sacred geometry and stuff. Yeah. I met him on an airplane on the tarmac. No way. In Atlanta. We were both on layovers in yeah, Atlanta. No and I was reading a Christian men's book. He was reading a Christian men's book. And I looked over at him and we just started talking. Then I didn't hear from him for like three years or something. And then he hit me up for a tattoo and we've been best friends since. Oh, yeah. He's amazing. He's awesome. I love Eric. So we're uh, down on Nicolette eating one night and he it was a Saturday night. And he's I was like, what are you doing tomorrow? And he's like, oh, I'm going to church. There's this new church. You got to check it out. It's at the poor house. I was thinking like poor, like yeah, yeah. poor. I didn't know it was a poor house. It was a bar. Yeah. yeah. So he's like, dude, it's this bar. You got to see this thing. And I was like, what? <laughs> Jesus would totally go to a bar. Yeah, yeah. You know, he might not go to the white steeple building where everybody's puritanical, but he would totally walk in a bar. So I'm into this. Let me check it yeah, out. Yeah. So I went and checked it out, and you spoke. Yeah. And so it's this bar that they did super amazing where they cover all the liquor signs and everything. But behind Kurt is this Jägermeister symbol with a cross in the middle. We, did, we hadn't covered it up. And I loved but it. Does, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I just loved that. Yeah. I loved the honesty of it. I loved that you guys were... Extremely passionate. I love that I could instantly relate to you yeah. because the way you spoke, like yep. the way you moved, the way that you were moved by yeah. the spirit. Yeah. Um, I was just like straight man crush. I was like, dude, I want to come back Stop and hear it. this guy speak. <laughs> yeah. I have to come back. And then the next yeah. time I came in, it was like on a video screen. I was like, wait a second. What happened to the guy? What just happened? Yeah. And so, yeah, I was always looking for the third week. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so I started going to River Valley and... Um, that's just one of the places I get fed from. Yeah, like totally. It. Yeah, and I think that's for a lot of people. It's like, yeah, yeah, maybe you have a church home, but you're like, it has to be beyond people, like just people feeding you, but you have to be in it, you know? Yeah. And that's like even you sharing your life change, the baptism story, all that. Like you, you had to start reading it for yourself. You had to start devouring it for yourself, you know? And there's people listening. Like nothing's changed my life more than reading the Bible. Like... <sighs> Which is crazy, um, because I've been I've been raised up in it, you know. Mm. So, um, and, and a lot of things have changed my life, but nothing has changed my life more than me on my own reading the Bible. Yeah. Um, and so you just can't get it. And so yeah, I love that you said it. It's like one yeah, River Valley. It's one of the places that you get fed, you know. Yeah. But you got to be out there doing it. It's your relationship. It's not hey, this is our relationship with God. Like no, it's mine. It's me. It's yeah. you. Um, which is awesome. Talk so, about um, you know, and I, and we'll wrap it up. But oh, go ahead. No, I just uh, in that years of process, I went through this um, uh, Unidos and Christos experience. It's like yep. three days, a short basic like men's weekend they do a women's weekend as well but this community puts together this weekend of impact and it's like a short course in christian living basically and that yep. sounds kind of lame but it's like the first time i really saw grace yeah and you stay in this church for like three days but it was super moving that's how i met hank and uh some of my closest friends now uh but basically it just it changed my heart and i got to see a new side mm. of faith and a new side of community and a new side of brotherhood and what it did yeah. was it inspired me to actually live it yeah. rather than like hide it like i would yeah. always hide it and it's like that yeah, little yeah. light of yours you know yep. i would like not let it shine yep. and so i started to live it and i started to just what would like not the tacky what would jesus do but like what would he really be 
yeah. in you. You yeah. know, he's like the mix master of the center. You know, you're downloading from God. You're grounded to here because this is where you're at. And he, when he's here, it's like he mixes that dichotomy. Yeah. And makes you what you are. Yeah. And you you tell stories about how now that's a lot of your conversations in your tattoo shop. Oh, yeah. Where you used to maybe be hiding it or like hope they wouldn't ask about it. Or now you got stuff like on the walls and different things all over mm -hmm. you, the art on you, like everything has a story and you're trying to talk about it. Yeah. No, it's one of my favorite subjects. Uh, that's why I was stoked on doing this podcast. It's like, we want to talk about tattoos and Jesus. Let's do it. That's like yeah. my two favorite things. So yeah, one of the things that I would do in the old tattoo shop days is like somebody would come in and they'd be like, yo, how much for that? And I'd be like, you know, hundred. And they'd be like, how much for that? Be like 50. And how much for that? That's 50. What's the cheapest thing you got in here? And I'd be like, you are. Yeah, yeah. And then they would leave. Yeah. Because <laughs> technically you are the cheapest yeah, thing yeah, in here. Yeah, you are. Yeah, I yeah. mean, there's like a free sticker over there, but but that yeah. was like my approach, right? Yep. Now I got this little area of some Bibles. It's like hope for the highway. It's like centered around motorcycling, but it's yep. a New Testament copy. Yep. And uh, I just keep them out there. And I mean, we've gone through cases of these things. And yeah. I've never seen somebody take one, but we're going through them. But you're, people and are so now them. I'm like, oh, the cheapest thing in here? Got these free Bibles right here. You can take that. Take it. Grab some stickers. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I just it's something that I'm not ashamed of or bashful about. Yeah. What? Uh, and we'll wrap up because yeah. I know you got a full life. But um, and one day I'll be I'll be in your shop. So we'll do it. Hopefully Kate, the 27th for the party. Yeah. Well, for sure. But I don't know if you're going to be tattooing that day. I will be. All right. Because yeah. my wife. We, yeah. She she was like, ask him. I know we're recording, but yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. like separate. Um, anyways, uh, talk about just, yeah, what, what are you dreaming about for the next couple of years? Tattoo shop, but also your personal life. Just uh, just anything that you're thinking about for your future. All right. Uh, my future is pretty, it's looking pretty good. Um, I just, I keep an open mind um, trying to die to ego and live from the heart, you yeah. know, um, and, uh, live authentically. Um, but the most interesting thing actually brings up a little bit of a story. Uh, I'm in a great relationship. I got this amazing woman in my life as mm -hmm. an influence in my life. Her name's Grace. I mean, yeah. that's crazy yeah. in itself, yeah. her yeah. name. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we plan on getting married and that's going to be an excellent addition to my life because it's something <laughs> I've always wanted. Yeah. You hope you say that about your future wife. It's an excellent addition to your life. Well, I just think it's a huge contribution. I mean, I just, it is, yeah. she's an amazing person. I'm, I'm married and my wife is a huge contribution. I never thought I'd say that either. I yeah, mean, I was crazy. the guy that was like, no way. Yeah. And now why, I'm yeah. like total change of heart. And that was an interesting thing. I was going to the next class back when it was at the poorhouse. Yeah. yeah. And, um. I was uh, <laughs> I was driving there and having it out with God about like, can I just please find a woman that actually likes you? I just want her to like you. Yep. You know, because I'm not seeing that out here. Yep. And uh, my Bluetooth connects, and so my phone connects to it. And at the time, I was listening to an Andy Stanley podcast called When Gracie Met Truthy. What? Talking about how Jesus comes as grace and truth. He doesn't come as just, you know, like you and I, we can do grace and we can do truth, but we can barely, rarely blend them accurately. Yeah. Yep. And he did. And so I'm going to this next class and 
I'm like yelling at God and I like see this comes up and it says truth he met Gracie and I hit pause because I don't want to listen to this right now. I'm having it out with him. Yep. And he's got to have a huge sense of humor just in that connection. It's all awesome sure because yeah. this is what he does. I go into the next class. I'm late. There's no seats left. It's in that tiny little room yeah, up yeah. top. Oh, yeah. There's no seats left. And I'm like aggravated upon aggravated upon aggravated. And yes. this woman stands up in the far corner and she stands up and she goes, oh, there's a seat over here. Why don't you sit by me? Go down to the end, sit down. She goes, uh, what's your name? I go, Josh, what's yours? Gracie. And I just looked up. I was like, you are kidding me. I mean, it can't go that quick. Like, you, yeah, yeah. But he's cracking up up there. He oh, has yeah. to be. Yeah, yeah. And so I was like, no way. And I mean, she's beautiful. Yeah. So I was like, what? She goes, uh, you know, I'm like, ah, oh, you guys wanted us to write something down. I'm like, ah, oh, we don't have a pen. She goes, I'm a fifth grade school teacher. I have tons of pens. And so she opens her purse up, grab a pen. So um, we're sitting there and I find out, or she asked me, she's like, what do you do for a living? I said, oh, um, I know you're a fifth grade school teacher. I uh, own a small business in Burnsville. She goes, oh, that's interesting. My uncle owns a small business in Burnsville. Oh, that's fantastic. She goes, what's the name of your business? I said, the Aloha Monkey. And she stops and she looks blasted and she's like, oh my goodness, my uncle is Tim. He has the insurance place right next door to you. I'm like, Tim? No. Tim Otting? Like, that's, I know that guy. I mean, like, I see him every day. She's like, yeah, that's my uncle. So then she starts cycling uh, around the tattoo shop. And so I start getting to see her around the tattoo shop. And um, we end up serving on the same team at River Valley, which yep. is the greeting team. And then, I mean, I know her for years and we just see each other on greeting team. And then, um, yeah. And then she wanted to get a tattoo of this apple. And then I found out she was single finally. Cause I think I daringly tried to ask her out a couple of times <laughs> if she was seeing somebody. Yeah. But then she was single and I asked her if she would go on a proper date with me. And, um, she said, yes. And I said, Ooh, there's a caveat to that. She goes, what is it? I said, I'm actually on this like year of no sex, no dating, no nothing. Um, and it ends November 2nd. Would you wait? And it was like 15 days or something, 20 yeah. days. And she's like, I'll totally wait. And yeah. so on November Today, 2nd, yeah. we went on our first date. No way. And it's been awesome since. And you're, yeah, the, the dreams get married. Yeah. yeah, that's amazing. And we know Gracie, we like, we've known her for a long time and she's awesome. And so yeah. we're, we're stoked for you guys. And, and yeah, she's an amazing leader in our church in her own right. Like she's awesome. So, and then for the business, anything you're thinking about for the business, you just, you got the grand opening coming. Yeah. Grand opening coming. Um, yeah, just, uh, I'm just into creating a positive work environment where everybody is, you know, lucrative in both, you know, finances and like learning, you know, yeah. I love I love helping people learn things. I love uh, exposing people to new ideas. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, just blessing for everyone around. I truly am like a stand that everyone that I come in contact with gets freed up. Yeah. Yep. In whatever it is. It's awesome. Two questions and then we're done. Yeah. Ready? Favorite book of all time? The Count of Monte Cristo. I've never read it. It's a good book. Don't see the movie. Okay. Doesn't do it justice? No. All right. The Count of Monte Cristo. Yeah. All right. Do you have a reason why that's your favorite? Uh, if you read it, you'll get it. Okay. Uh, last question. One piece of advice that you'd give to somebody following in your footsteps? 
in my footsteps. Might be a young tattoo artist. Might be a young kid that just got told to cut his hair because grew past his collar. Oh. Um, 100% stay open-minded. Because um, once you put the top on, I mean, you can't get filled up with any kind of new information. So stay open-minded and um, be eager to learn. You know what I mean? I'm just like a huge sponge of information. So yeah. I like to sponge it up. And I think that um, by being open-minded and being a sponge of information, you can figure this place out a little bit. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. Yo, thanks so much Thank uh, you, for your time. Thanks for being here. I had a great here. time. I think the world of you. And uh, I'm, I'm inspired by not just your journey, but the, the freedom that you have, yet the the genuine heart and hunger uh, to be more like Jesus, you know, mm. not to be more like religion, not to be more like some church, this thing, that thing, you know, but to be more like Jesus, you know, and you're not afraid to look at every angle, look at all the information, but it comes back to who is Jesus. And I'm trying to be like that. And that's what I see in you. That's what I pick up. And I appreciate that. About appreciate you. So thanks. You. Thanks for being here. Thank you, brother. If you've enjoyed this podcast, be sure to head over to iTunes and leave us a review. You can also subscribe to us on YouTube or anywhere podcasts are found. To stay connected with what we're doing, you can also follow us on Instagram at Exception Podcast and visit our website at exceptionpodcast.co. New episodes are releasing every Friday. If you know someone who is an exception to the rule and want us to share their story, you can let us know on our website. We're always on the lookout for new stories to share. Until next time, remember, as a rule, be an exception to the rule. Peace. Peace.